What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Ladies Let's Talk About Sex podcast. I'm your host, Felicia, and I'm a lady talking about sex. And this week, we have a lovely guest, and we have a highly requested topic. Today, we're going to talk about body positivity with Devin. Devin, would you like to kind of introduce yourself, let people know who you are, what you do? Yeah, hi. I'm so happy to be here with you, and I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to be on the podcast and just talk about something I'm super passionate about. Um, A little bit about me. So my work expands in many different areas from fitness to body image to sex, and it all relates back to the most powerful spell of all, self-love. And mostly the work that I do is helping women work through body image. Amazing. And kind of what got you into this work? Like, where was the enticement? Did someone introduce you to this type of stuff like early on? Or was it something that you had to learn yourself? It all began with a personal journey. Um, I struggled with an eating disorder paired with body dysmorphia. And from there, as a trainer, like throughout my recovery, and then in becoming a trainer, I recognized how many women struggle with what I had struggled with. And from there, my work kind of shifted and I took a twist on my approach with women and started focusing more on helping them redefine self-care, unpacking the reasons as to why they're working with a trainer because many women start working with a trainer because they hate their bodies. Um, And then gearing it more toward being in a place of acceptance, taking care of your body because you love it, not because you hate it. And the rest is pretty much history. Yeah, that's amazing. And so body positivity is like a very kind of Mm -hmm. broad term. Do you have like a specific definition that maybe resonates with you? Or like, what does body positivity mean to you particularly? Yeah, Um, body positivity is a social justice movement. It was created by black women who were fighting against oppression. And so body positivity is essentially about having, you know, equality and respect for all bodies, especially those who are marginalized. And so it's really viewing it as knowing that everybody is worthy and treating everybody as such. I love that. And I love that you kind of brought up the history there too, because I think that it's a little bit of like, I don't want to say it's a newfound term, but I think it's really gaining its notoriety, especially over the past maybe like five to 10 years. So I think that I I love that it's like a social justice movement and it's, you know, about owning it and and having agency over your body and and loving your body. And why do you think it's particularly important for women, especially, or those who identify as women to be body positive instead of I don't know what the term would be if you were just like, like body neutral or just like accepting or is there a term that kind of puts you in the like ambiguous area of that? Um, you know, I, there's body neutrality, there's body acceptance, there's body positivity, each has its own meaning. Um, but in terms of why I think it's important for women to feel more body positive, more body neutral, more accepting of their bodies is because when women feel trapped in their bodies, they feel trapped in their lives, right? It doesn't just affect our headspace. It affects so many aspects of our lives. So if a woman's feeling really insecure in her body and wanting to crawl out of her skin, 
it will also have the effect to prevent her from engaging in certain activities like going to the pool, wearing a bikini, having sex comfortably. Um, she might feel like she's not worthy or attractive enough to wear certain clothing and will hide her body in baggy clothing. Uh, she might constantly compare herself to other bodies and feel like she's not worthy of love. So it just like affects so many aspects of her life. And when she can start to feel free and comfortable and confident in her body. And that then seeps into all those other aspects and really allows her to live her life to her fullest potential. I think that's so great. And I think I, I really appreciate you kind of telling us about your personal journey. And maybe we can elaborate a little bit more on that mm -hmm. later on. But, um, you know, your experience with an eating disorder and how that translated to your life and you know, how that kind of moved you on this journey of body positivity. Do you have any like tips and tricks and on women who, you know, might not be on that same journey as you, but want to be po body positive. They may not struggle themselves, but they want to kind of integrate it into their like self care and self love practice. Do you have any like suggestions? I do. Um, I have a few. So one place that I really like to start with women is helping them be more objective about their body. Uh, oftentimes we attach certain parts of our body to a story that is super self-sabotaging. So for example, usually the story goes with cellulite. This is gross, this is disgusting. I need to remove this from my body. I need to hide this. And so instead of looking in the mirror and noticing the cellulite and attaching it and going down this really harmful, destructive story that makes you feel like shit about yourself, just being objective about it and seeing it for what it is. It's cellulite and that is it. It's something that bodies create. It's natural. It's normal. And there doesn't have to be a story attached to it. So really practicing objectivity with our bodies can help remove the negativity and allow women to be more accepting of of what is and detach from this idea that their body is unworthy because of the normality of it really. Um, and then another thing that I really like to encourage women, which was a huge help in my own recovery is to cleanse, detox their social media and then diversify it. So, being really honest with yourself as to why you're following someone. I find that a lot of women will follow other women as a source of motivation when in reality, it's really just making you feel crummy about yourself. So it's like, why are you following this person? Do you find that when you look at their page, you're comparing yourself? Are you diminishing your value? Are you walking away feeling really triggered? And unfollowing those people, you can always reintroduce them back into your feed when you feel more comfortable and confident in your in your body. Um, but in the meantime, I think it's really important to unfollow the people that trigger you and follow more accounts and just basically diversifying your feed so that you're see seeing all shapes, sizes, colors, and seeing all the myriad ways bodies can exist. I, I love that. Yeah. Chaos, That's cause so now you're great. In, right. Because like when we're when you're younger, at least in my experience, you know, my uh, introduction into 
just seeing other women is like through Victoria's Secret runway shows and magazines. I can only imagine what it's like now for the younger generation with the social media platform. Um, but to be constantly inundated with this one way a body should look, it completely disrupts the way that you feel about yourself. So if you start to inundate your consciousness with diversity, you're going to see more, um, you're going to see more diverse bodies and you're going to recognize that all bodies look different and all bodies are worthy. And it just gives you a different perspective on bodies. No, I think that that's, that's so important, especially for young people now, because yeah. I don't know if you've seen like, you know, young kids on TikTok that are like yes. 15 years old. And I'm like, holy shit, these people don't look, they don't look real. Yeah. And it's like, it's scary because, you know, when you're that young, you're so vulnerable and you're so mm -hmm. vulnerable to believing that like, that's what a normal girl looks like. Yeah. Or you a boy, soak everything or, You up. know, it goes both mm -hmm. ways. So I, I really like that. And I even think that I, I, with the whole, um, Black Lives Matter movement, I've also been kind of diversifying my own personal feed as well. Because, like, you, you kind of, like, you don't think about it until someone... Points it out. Points it out. And then I'm like, wow, I really don't... My, my feed isn't that diverse. It's pretty mm -hmm. much all the same. And even I was looking at a list of top influencers the other week, and it was all, like, white, straight people. Yeah. And so it was just... It was a very interesting an eye-opening experience mm -hmm. and I I think that a lot of people forget how that can subconsciously affect you yes until you you point it out so I, I really like that tool and it's like super easy to just go through even just go through your feed right now and just swipe and unfollow the people that you're just not that, that just don't bring you any right. self-love or self-care or just like goodness into your life Exactly. And a helpful question, too, when you get off your social media platform is, how do I feel about myself right now? Do I feel shitty or, or do I feel OK? Do I feel like I actually gained some value and read something that elevated my confidence? So if you're, you know you're constantly getting off feeling crummy about yourself, take a look at who you're following and what you're consuming. Mindful consumption is super important when healing body image. I think that that's, that's something really great. And I'm going to definitely look at my own personal social media and really, really think about that too. Because honestly, I've never, I've always been relatively thin. My body has just kind of done that on its own. Um, and I've also been pretty active as a young girl. But, you know, as I'm growing into a young adult, I, I've started to find myself kind of comparing myself to other girls or other influencers or just, you know, seeing an image and reading, reading like, well, why does my stomach look like that? I feel like a stomach, at least in my, my friend group, has been a pretty big focus. Um, it's one of the biggest insecurities for women is their stomach. Our, our bodies do so many incredible things and we don't even give it the credit that it deserves. And like, you know, our stomach has all the incredible organs and our uterus and, you know, we, you know, we create life and we're, we still like nitpick at every yeah. single thing. And, and I think it's, it's helpful to just consider that what we've been taught to look like is very unrealistic for the most part. Um, and it is biologically normal for women to carry more fat in their stomach. Yeah, I, I, I really like the 
like science behind it because I feel like it's very hard to yes to argue with it (laughs) it is yeah I find that with some of my clients you know everybody is in in healing it's an individual thing um and some of my clients like having just like simple affirmations um and just like a surface level answer to things and then somebody's like no I need the scientific reason as to why this is normal and I'm like okay (laughs) I will provide that for you I I think it's super helpful though because then it's it's very hard to argue Mm -hmm. if we're if we're biologically made a certain way obviously like I look back to photos in like the 90s and I'm like this Mm -hmm. is why you know eating disorders are were a huge problem then are still a huge problem now and it's it's definitely like collective trauma too within being a woman and just yes. you know mothers having this problem and then transferring it down to their daughters subconsciously. Yeah. yeah, that was a thing in my childhood as well. The thing is my eating disorder was one of my weaknesses that turned into one of my greatest strengths because it led me to where I am. And you know, I look back and I I don't want to take that back at all. I don't want to not have never experienced an eating disorder, body dysmorphia, because it's, you know, not to say that I feel like you have to have an experience to be educated, to teach somebody on something, but I do find that you connect with people in a different way when you've experienced it yourself. Because I'm, you know, there's plenty of dietitians out there who help women with eating disorders, who's never experienced an eating disorder. Um, And they have the education to do so, but there's just that difference. And I've actually experienced it and I can relate to you in a way that somebody else who hasn't. You can definitely say no to this question. You don't have to elaborate, but what was the process of you actually coming to terms with Mm -hmm. having an eating disorder and then getting a diagnosis? Yeah. Um, so something that I I wish I would have done is getting help, but I didn't because I'm stubborn and I'm a Capricorn and I like to figure things out on my own. <laughs> um, so, you know, the process probably would have gone a lot smoother and faster if I received help. Uh, but I kind of just figured everything out on my own and did a lot of research and read a lot of books and um, talked to other women who have who have eating disorders and figured out what their approaches were. Um, and for the longest time, it, it developed in high school. And for the longest time, I didn't realize that I had an eating disorder. It was just I kind of have... I had orthorexia too, so I justified it by saying that I was eating healthy and that other people just didn't understand that I wanted to nourish my body. Um, But it was a very restrictive, rigid thing, which is what orthorexia is. It's just like this obsession with eating healthy foods. Um, And then because I was so restrictive, I would binge eat. Uh, And binge eating is a normal response to restriction. And so then I just like associated it with a food problem or just like, I don't have control like on my one cheat day. And then I just like, it ended up into a cheat weekend and it was just a cycle. And eventually I'm like, okay, this is becoming a problem because I'm, I have no control over food 
and it's consuming me. I wouldn't go to certain restaurants without like the nutrition facts. And I decline a lot of social invites because I didn't want to quote unquote ruin my diet. And then I came across an article of a woman talking about her eating disorder and she was describing it in the way that was very similar to mine. And she labeled it like orthorexia, binge eating disorder. I'm like, what? That's what I have. (laughs) Um, So then from there, um, I woke up a little bit to the fact that this wasn't just a food problem, that it was an eating disorder. And from there, I started to do more research on how to heal that. And some of the approaches that I took was one thing that was really helpful was I allowed myself to eat a donut every single day. That was like my kryptonite. I loved donuts. Um, and I had a hard time being moderate with them, surprisingly, because now I eat a donut. I'm like, how did, how did I one time eat like five of these? <laughs> one is enough. They're so filling. Um, but I practice moderation every single day. So I'd allow myself to have one or whatever I wanted, but a donut every single day. And sometimes that would lead into eating, you know, more than I needed to. But over time, I got a lot better at just being able to have one thing. And because I'm introducing foods that that I normally wouldn't allow myself to have consistent exposure to, it allowed me to have this abundant mentality of I can have one and I can have it again tomorrow. And I don't need to limit myself to just one day. Um, So that was super helpful. I also got into powerlifting and that had its own powerful effect of me viewing food as fuel of I need this to have strength for my workout. Um, and then powerlifting also got me into this place of, I want to get bigger because I want to be really strong and I like the powerlifting body. Um, and so I went from wanting to be really small and petite and, and thin to, I wouldn't mind putting on some weight and carrying some muscle. And it just like naturally kept shifting and shifting and shifting into establishing more comfort with myself and having more freedom around, uh, the way that I looked and my food. And from there, it just kept growing and growing and growing. It's helpful to look back on seeing how long it took me and how much easier it would have been if I just worked with someone. And so now, whenever I'm hitting a roadblock in my life and need to work through some shit, I'm like, all right, I'm going to go see a therapist. (laughs) Like, I don't need to do this by myself. I'm not gaining anything from doing it alone. And it doesn't detract from my independence or my strength. Like the stronger, most courageous thing to do is to ask for help. A hundred percent. That's exactly what I was going to say. I think it takes a lot, a lot for someone to admit that they need help in whatever Mm -hmm. avenue that they needed it. You're also pretty outspoken about, you know, sex and sexuality and owning that. And Mm -hmm. I kind of wanted to get your take on how you think body positivity and sex are intertwined. Yeah. Um, Well, our brain is our largest sexual organ. Um, And so when a person feels insecure about their body and they're in their head, 
those insecurities can cloud over them and their sexual experiences and just con completely consume and control them. Um, so for example, if a woman's feeling insecure about her belly, like we talked about, she may not want to get into certain positions. So there it is. Her insecurity is controlling her and telling her like, no, you don't look attractive in this position. Don't get into that. Your partner is going to find you undesirable. Uh, she may not even feel comfortable getting naked. I know for me, when I was super insecure about my body, like I hated when my partner touched me, especially my stomach, and would try to convince them to keep my top on. Um, and then she might find herself ruminating throughout the entire experience about if her partner finds her desirable or not. And she's just consumed by her insecurities and it completely detracts from what's meant to be a pleasurable, connective, enjoyable experience. Um, and so it creates this huge disconnect and completely short circuits the arousal and the pleasure. Um, so if you think about it, you know, in the brain being the largest sexual organ and because orgasms primarily happen in the brain, um, if you're stuck in your head, it's going to make it nearly impossible to achieve pleasure. So, you know, how body image impacts our sexual experiences, it's just like when we feel more comfortable in our bodies um, and we're not worried about how they look, we are more connected to our bodies, we're more connected to the experience and our partners, um, and we can have more pleasurable sex. I think that's so important. And, you know, we've talked a lot about the orgasm gap on this podcast and it's 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 definitely a real thing and even though you know eating disorders and negative body image aren't exclusively to women it's an issue that does affect us on a greater scale than it does men and then everyone in between it's you know it, it's essentially even worse for them um so I, I really like that connection because I think it's super important as women are exploring themselves and exploring their sexuality. It's something that isn't just an experience on its own. It's something that is so intertwined into their lives. If you don't have, you know, a good mental state or if you don't have good body image or uh, if you're not taking your care of yourself physically, like sex isn't going to be as good as it can be. Um, for your own experiences. Now, sex is different for everyone, but I think that having a healthy body image does at least give you a little bit more access to, you know, all the parts of the brain that can be lit up during sex because you're not focusing on that thing. So I really like that. Um, and did you ever want to maybe uh, explore a little bit more about your personal experience in like how you kind of overcame this, essential roadblock of, of having trouble being naked in front of your partner and how that was for you. Yeah. Um, healing. Um, well, when I look back on my sexual experiences, sex was always something that I enjoyed, but it wasn't something that I wanted to do because I felt so uncomfortable in it. And like I mentioned, I, whenever my partner would touch my stomach, I just kind of like move his hand away. I'd convince him to keep my top on. Um, and I felt really uncomfortable in certain positions and I would sometimes do it, but like that was all I could think about. And I couldn't think about the pleasure that I was receiving. It was just like, old. Oh, like, is there body hair somewhere that 
is undesirable and is my cellulite showing and is my belly like folding and having all these roles and how does my partner perceive that? And so when I started to feel, you know, heal my body image and really build that confidence in myself, it completely shifted my sexual experiences and it's allowed me to walk around the bedroom and share confidence naked um, and to just experience sex in an entirely different way because I'm no longer worried about how I look. Um, and I'm just simply focused on this pleasure and this experience and this intimate connection I get to share with another human being. Um, and I, one of my favorite memories was, and this is when it was just like, you have completely shifted your relationship with your body. I like finished um, having an experience with a partner and I was like, I'm hungry. So I like left the bedroom naked and I go sit on the couch and it was like in a studio apartment. I go sit on the couch and I just start eating lasagna and I'm like sitting there eating lasagna after sex naked. I'm like, wow, your, your experience with your body has completely altered the way that you show up now. And it was just like a really beautiful experience to have and like seeing the enormity of how much body image impacts just the way that I operate. That's so sweet. And I think it's one of those things too that doesn't happen overnight. It's something that you'll catch yourself being out of essentially, yeah. which I think is is definitely like a very rewarding moment to have. It is. Would you give any young girls any tips on overcoming this kind of issue or problem that they might be facing in bed with a partner? I find that we are so inclined to feel comfortable and confident with somebody else before considering if we feel that way with ourselves. It's like, I want to have sex comfortably and I want to show up a certain way with my partner and just be the sexual goddess. But it's, and like, um, the other thing is like, you know, do you, do you feel that way with yourself and do you know how to touch yourself and do you know what brings you pleasure? And I think the best place to start with anything is inward and to really get to know yourself and, to have sex with just yourself and figure out the ways that you like to be touched. And, and when you build that confidence and you know what you like, you can then replicate all of that and bring that into the space with somebody else. So I think that just, you know, turning inward and focusing on like who you are and what you need, independent of society, independent of other people is a super important process and practice into building that internal confidence. Um, and another thing is, you know, recognizing and realizing, truly internalizing that we are so much more than our bodies, that our bodies are just a vessel, our earth suit that carries our magical, beautiful soul. Uh, and when we constantly fixate and worry about our bodies, it is guaranteed to bring 0% of fun 100% of the time. I don't doubt that for a second. And I think, I think a lot of women are very conditioned into 
like being givers and always giving before receiving. And so I think that just training your brain and reminding yourself that as long as it happens internally, it'll happen with a partner. Um, so I, I really, I really like that perspective because I think it just gives a lot of insight to some things that a lot of us don't even think about until we're you know, we're told it's like, oh, you should have like it would have been better if you had sex with yourself before you had sex with a partner. You would have been able to show your partner what's good for you, not just assume that your partner knows your body better than you. Yeah, which nobody knows their bodies better than we do. And and especially with women, uh, unfortunately, like the way that we are. The way that we are educated about sex is through the lens of a male. Um, and women are so, so, so fucking radically different. Uh, and especially our bodies, they're a little bit more complex. Um, uh, Emily Morse from Sex with Emily makes a great comparison that the vulva is like a Rubik's cube. Um, and so it's just like a complicated thing to kind of figure out. And, and every woman experiences pleasure very differently from one another. And so, you know, if we're speaking in heteronormative language, if a man is exploring with a woman and pleases her this way, he might implement that same uh, pleasure, the way that he's pleasing her with somebody, with another woman, and she might experience pleasure entirely different. And it doesn't make mean that she's wrong or that her body's broken. It just means that she experiences it differently. So, you know, it's really important for us to figure out what turns us on so that we can communicate with that, that with our partners, like, Hey, this is the way that I like to be touched. Like, I don't like the in and out really fast. I like the slow and like upward motion. <laughs> no, a hundred percent. And I honestly think that as I've started to have these conversations with a bunch of women, I've actually had a bunch of conversations with a lot of my guy friends. And even just in my own personal experience, I feel like men are a lot more receptive to the, these types of conversations than we like anticipate. Now, trust me, I've met, you know, my fair share of frogs just in general, but I feel like as long as we encourage women to feel confident enough in themselves and feel confident enough in, in their bodies, they'll be able to have these conversations and not feel so much apprehension. I feel like growing up, there was always this like, oh, if I have sex, is he going to like not want me? Am I going to be cute enough? And it's like every time I have a conversation with a guy, he's like, I'm just happy to be there. I'm just happy to be participating. Thank you for having me. Like, this is wonderful. Versus like us us women are just kind of like we're all in our heads all the time and it's always it has to be some performance and it really doesn't yeah it's also not fair of us too um something that i find uh is is important to understand that just because we're insecure about it doesn't mean that our partner feels that way and like it's not fair of us to project our insecurities onto them and say, well, I feel this way. So you probably feel this way about my body. Like that's so yeah. unfair. Half the time it's like we have these weird insecurities and then guys will be like, like, I'm not a huge fan of my own ears. And I know how stupid that sounds, but that's just kind of like something that I have always had. I don't really know where it comes from. And every time I've brought it up, people are like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> 
it's just so random, but it's something that like everyone has their own thing and it's, it's just, it's internalized and it's, and I, I guess because we think about it so much, we assume that others do, but nobody's inside our own brains except ourselves. So it's, it's definitely an interesting thing to overcome. And it, I'm sure it takes, I mean, I know it takes a lot of time, but like from a holistic perspective on just like understanding your own body and becoming essentially body positive and you know really focusing on your self-love and self-image like how has that given you a better kind of look on life and just like experiences in general like how has that shifted what I find is the more that I take the time to understand myself the easier time I have in understanding the way that other people are working Uh, and it just allows me to have a deeper sense of compassion for other people and understand maybe why they had that reaction. And it's allowed me to not really take things personally, um, and see, oh, you know, I see that that person's insecurity is acting out and that is why they said those things and it has nothing to do with me. So it's really just, you know, allowed me to understand myself better and understand other people better and have compassion for both myself and others. You have so much insight on yourself. You just kind of figure out that other people function on a similar manner. I mean, everyone's different, but, you know, we're all human. Mm -hmm. So we have that in common Mm -hmm. and we all have these brains that, you know, play a lot of tricks on us. Yes. Um, Yes. So I think that's super super great just because it it just helps you become a better person I feel like but as we kind of close off I like to ask a lot of people like kind of tips and tricks they would give young girls a lot of our listeners are you know late teens early 20s so what would you tell a young a young lady with you know body image issues right now and someone who's struggling with it and maybe hasn't sought help yet really take the time to question why she's feeling the way that she's feeling and tracing it back to where it originates from. Like if you're feeling insecure about something, where does that come from? Why do you, why do you feel that way? Where did you learn that? Because most of the things that we learn about ourselves were spoon fed to us. Like this idea that we need to look a certain way was spoon fed to us through the media. Uh, and we just took it on as, as our own. So when we can really trace things back to where it originates from and discover that that is not our truth and we don't have to live by that truth and we can create our own truths, it helps us really start to rewrite our own internal scripts and walk into a place of confidence. I think that that's, that's, that's actually perfect. Uh, that's like such great advice because I feel like A lot of our collective, you know, experiences and traumas and, you know, whatever problem it is, whether it's like body positivity or maybe like a mental health issue, um, I feel like has been spoon fed to us. It's not something that we're born with. Like, it's not something that we obviously like with mental health, it's like a different thing. But it's in this regard, I think it's so important to really look at why you're feeling this way, who told you you had to be a certain way. Right. And um, the, in, in talking about that, 
you know, we didn't come out of the womb hating ourselves. Like we were babies running around the house naked with our bellies out, not giving a fuck. Uh, so it's like somewhere along our journey, we learned to be ashamed of ourselves. And so the shame that's casted on us is not our own. It doesn't belong to us. And so really removing that and recognizing that. Um, and I think another important part to healing is knowing that it is not your fault that you feel the way that you do. Your healing is your responsibility, but the pain that you are experiencing is not your fault. It, you know, it, it came from an experience, a traumatizing experience, or just from what you've acquired through our culture. No, for sure. I think, yeah, I think recognizing that is typically the hardest part because it's usually something that happens so subconsciously and then you don't realize how your body internalized it or your brain processed whatever the circumstances. But I think that that's something really important for anyone who's dealing with any type of um, issue or self-doubt or any type of internalized problem. Um, I, I really like, I really love that advice. I think that that's great. I think that this conversation was so necessary to have. I think that so many young women struggle with body image and eating disorders and kind of everything in between. And I think the insight you gave was super helpful and the tools and tips and tricks I think are super great and stuff that I'm going to implement in my own life. Cause they're so, they're so easy. It's just, it's about taking the time and really focusing on yourself. And it's just like, who cares? Like it doesn't matter as long as you're healthy and you have your, as long as you have your health, honestly, like, I think that's the, the only thing we can all be focusing on right now. Um, but I just wanted to thank you again. Do you want to tell everyone where they can find you, where they can hear more about you? Yeah, thank you, Felicia. And it was just so lovely to be on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Um, and I'm excited for this to come out and to connect with your audience. Uh, the way that people can find me is it's pretty similar. Everything's so creative. It's my name. So my website is devindaymoretti.com. And then my Instagram handle, which is primarily the main things you can find me on, is devindaymoretti. Um, and then I also have a freebie. So it is a body image course on how to feel more comfortable in the bedroom. It's called Sex with the Lights On. So if you go to devindaymoretti.com slash sex with the lights on, you could download the guide for free. That's amazing. I love that. Yeah. I'll definitely take yeah. a look at that and see if maybe we can um, put it on our Instagram pages because I think that that would be super great. Yeah, I would love that. Um, but I yeah, that. I just wanted to thank you again for coming on and having this conversation with me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for this amazing conversation. I appreciate it. Oh, I'm so glad. Before we go, I can't forget to mention Etamo Pleasurables, our sponsor of the week. The reason why I love them so much is because they facilitate sex that feels better by using plant-based ingredients that nourish your body and leave it feeling sensational. Their formulas are designed with intentional ingredients that promote pleasure and ease discomfort. And they focus on sex education, which is at the root of what they do. They continuously strive to empower all humans to own and embrace their sexuality wherever it may be found under the rainbow. So don't forget to check them out and check us out at Ladies Let's Talk About Sex for our Intamo Pleasurables giveaway that's happening this week. Oh, I can't forget to mention My Plus One. My Plus One is our ongoing Ladies Let's Talk About Sex sponsor. They have the best sex toys at the most affordable prices, literally accessible everywhere. 
If you haven't heard of them, go check them out on Instagram at underscore my plus one and find out more details on our Instagram page about how you can get in touch with their products. Maybe if you can win some, I think that's a pretty good idea. Check them out at ladies. Let's talk about sex on Instagram and make sure to like and subscribe. If you're not already subscribed to the podcast, let us know how you feel on our Instagram account and we will keep you updated with our podcast next week.